Hello and welcome to episode 75 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and this time I'm joined by Dr. Antonia Dietman, who you may remember from a previous episode. She joined us in episode 62 to talk about her doctoral research into the power of conversation. I recommend that you go back to 62 to have a listen to that because I think it has a lot of relevance for us at the moment when so many people are working in a remote capacity, maybe working from home away from their teams, I'd underline the power of a quick chat to help us stay connected. So as I record this on the 9th of November here in England, here in London, we're back in lockdown. We're into the second week of our lockdown. And I know that not everyone is finding this experience easy. A couple of resources maybe to suggest to you. You might want to check out our working from home page now worklifepsych.com slash working from home. I've pulled together some resources there that people might find useful, um, some podcast episodes, some blog posts, some third party resources that I think could be useful. And of course, I've been running some free public webinars, the work life webinars uh, across this year and recordings of those are all available on our YouTube page and you can find that at worklifepsych.com slash YouTube. I'm sure there'll be some topics in there that you may find useful, especially now that you're working from home, maybe away from your team or even just in the workplace, but uh, very mindful of what's going on for you and around you at the moment. Now, the word mindful, really relevant to what we're talking about today. In this episode, Antonia takes us through her recent research into the impact of mindfulness skills in the workplace. Now, before you press stop and walk away from this, uh, we're looking at good evidence-based research here. And the word mindfulness or mindful can be very divisive. It can put people off. I'm very aware of that. But I would encourage you to give this a listen because uh, Antonia's research has demonstrated the impact that a mindfulness habit can have on our well-being. It's definitely not a panacea, but it can be helpful. And the evidence is growing all the time for how these kinds of interventions can help us. Remember also how this plays a part in the development of our psychological flexibility. We've talked about this several times on the podcast previously. Remember the capacity to be present in the here and now and not drift to um, a disappointing past or an anxious future and feel all of those emotions here and now. But also the ability to notice what's going on, to notice what shows up within us without judgment, without the compulsion to try and change that or reduce that. So it's really relevant to the conversations we've had before. I want to thank Antonia for taking the time to uh, record with me. Uh, and also we recorded this several months ago. So thank you, Antonia, for your patience in waiting for this to come out. But there was this small matter of uh, a global pandemic and a couple of lockdowns. And we, we, we kind of pivoted our focus for a few months. But I'm delighted to be able to share this conversation with you all today. So thanks, Antonia. And as ever, to you, the listeners, thanks for listening. So Antonia, delighted to be joined by you today. Thank you for making the time to, to talk with me. 
Thanks so much for inviting me, Richard. It's great to be here. So um, before we dive into your research and this whole topic of mindfulness, um, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you've ended up where you are? I'm conscious we've had you on the podcast before, but this might be the very first time someone is listening. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. So I'm Antonia Dietman. I am a chartered occupational psychologist and I work in uh, government uh, and I've been working in government for about 15 years across a number of the big government departments um, spanning occupational psychology posts and then more recently into uh, mainstream HR. And at the moment, I look after learning and development, but I've had a long standing interest in well-being, um, sort of stress, um, improving people's experiences at work. Uh, and so this project was really ticked those boxes rather than being something to do with my, my day job. So uh, thank you for the intro. Could you give us the, I don't know, the, the, the elevator pitch description of your research? Because there's a lot in there. To start us off, what is it that you looked at? There is a lot in there um, and that made it really, really exciting to do in a lot of ways, to do such complicated research in a real organisation. So we had the opportunity in my government uh, agency to um, try out uh, Headspace. It's a meditation app and we wanted to uh, test it out and see what people thought of it. Uh, and this came across my desk quite literally and I thought, wow, this is a fab opportunity to do some great research, some proper evaluation. We don't often do it uh, as practitioners, uh, as occupational psychologist practitioners. Um, so I thought, let's do something really, really cutting edge here um, and gathered a few interested and like minded scientists around me uh, to do that. And we uh, designed a randomized control trial of the Headspace meditation app. That is the that's the elevator pitch, really, something that is not often done. There's very few published studies on on Headspace and RCTs, randomized control trials, are, are quite rare, particularly in, in live living, breathing organizations. So it was really exciting. That that sounds amazing because yeah, the, the randomized control trial is almost you know gold standard. But as you said, it's so hard to do in a live environment as opposed to a laboratory context. Mm -hmm. um, and organizations continue to change, evolve, and people do their thing, don't they? So that that sounds really really exciting. Uh, what was it that that you think hooked you into this topic? There is just so much going on in organisations about meditation and mindfulness. And I have to say both of them in the sentence because they're often used interchangeably. Uh, organisations confuse the two. Uh, and there's lots of um, activity going around in, in organisations um, to uh, invest effort in it, uh, in programmes, in access to um, meditation apps or actual workshops and courses. Um, but the research for organisations in particular, there's broader clinical research that's quite positive, but the research in organisational settings isn't isn't really there. Mm. There's not a lot of it. Um, so I thought this was a great opportunity to really add to that and uh, and see if we could demonstrate the benefit of a, a very specific um, app, but nonetheless, a very popular meditation app. Absolutely. And we, we've had 
you know, mindfulness-based interventions uh, out there in the world since the 70s. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, so much of the literature and the evaluation has been done in clinical as opposed to occupational settings. So there, you've got a restricted population there straight away, don't you? And I think the focus has been on um, uh, stress and, and in, in health psychology and, and, and clinical contexts. So a, a great opportunity to mm. see, does it work? How does it work? To what extent does it work? And really look at it in, in, uh, in some detail. Absolutely. And we wanted to go beyond kind of uh, people's experiences. Did they like the app as an app, for mm. example? Did they feel better? Uh, and that's why we really wanted the um, the randomized control trial aspect to compare the, the intervention group, the group who, who would be using Headspace, um, and they ended up using it for six weeks, to compare them to a group who, who weren't given access. So we with, withheld their access for six weeks. Um, and to compare their their questionnaire results uh, in key areas, uh, and we thought long and hard about um, the the research questions that we wanted to ask the um, actual questions in the questionnaire using good scientific scales. Uh, so you know, I say that we did we did this properly. We really did. It it really sounds like it because the temptation would be how do you feel did you like mm. it um, did you use it uh, but of course as we've sort of touched on briefly before you wanted to measure quite a few things in here w would you mind taking us through um, the contents of of what it was that you actually measured absolutely so everyone whether they were in the control group or the intervention group uh, completed a, a time one questionnaire and that was the same for both groups and it covered um, kind of six main areas uh, first of all was perceived stress um, so the degree to which someone sees their life as stressful um, taps into areas such as un unpredictability being overloaded or feeling out of control in your life then we looked at mental well-being, um, so you know how optimistic they feel. Are they able to deal with problems, their own clarity of thinking, and also feeling close to other people. We also had a scale uh, about mindfulness skills. So then again, that distinction between meditation and mindfulness. So this Headspace uh, calls itself a uh, meditation app. So we wanted to test whether it would improve mindfulness skills and there was a standardized measure of those skills we looked at job demands um, you know how demanding someone uh, feels that they uh, their job is and do they have the resources to cope with the asks made of them in their work uh, we had a single item of job performance uh, so the person's own view of their job performance and then we did have those questions about you know did they like the app how did they feel um that, that uh, using headspace was going to benefit them what barriers they might uh, have experienced to actually using the app would they recommend it so there was a that kind of um self-report kind of a, a personal view of, of headspace as a tool right at the end and they're really important, aren't they? Because, you know, if, if use of the tool is a barrier, then it's less about does it work, but how can we make it easier for people to use, for example? Um, it's not just about the intervention, it's about how it's received and, and how people think about it. Because, as you've said, the, the topics of mindfulness and meditation are very popular in organizations at the moment. And I know from, you know, work, well, work that I've done in the last couple of years, 
it's very divisive mm. and and just mentioning mindfulness can really divide an audience um and sometimes we have to maybe find alternative <laughs> phrases to use so just understanding what people think about this is really important absolutely and particularly tapping into would you recommend it to to your colleagues you know that that spreads out into the whole area of uh, it's okay to be not be okay it's okay to talk about mental health in the in the workplace and mental illness in the workplace because we want to have open conversations about these areas and if you can't uh, if you wouldn't recommend a particular app or you wouldn't discuss your experiences of doing uh, using uh, a meditation app uh, I think it's part of a wider a wider issue and um, openness to to discussing these topics can I ask a little bit about the mindfulness skills that you mentioned? You know, what, what were people rating themselves on there in the questionnaire? Okay, so it didn't require uh, any uh, the the participant to know any of the sort of philosophical background to mindfulness in any way. Um, so it was about um, can can they pay attention to things? Um, you know, how how is it um, they're experiences of uh, being in the present moment for example so it wasn't a test of buddhist philosophy mm -hmm. and the underpinnings if you like yeah yeah and and translated for the the, the average person basically mm -hmm. yeah, yeah great well what I thought we might do is if, if we could walk through your research questions, because there's a few of them this is a substantial piece of work and maybe you could explain to us why you asked that question and, and what some of the headline results were. Absolutely. So, we, you know, we have got a first few research questions were really about um, if using Headspace, practicing meditation by using Headspace improved the well-being outcomes that we'd um, listed out. So perceived stress and mental well-being and always as compared to the control group. So I might forget to say that, but this was a randomized control trial. So everything I talk about the intervention group, it was always as compared to the control group. And absolutely, that's what we found. So um, the, the intervention group did have improvements over time in their perceived stress and their mental well-being as compared to the control group. And it was statistically significant. Um, and then similarly, um, their self-rated job performance improved and their view of how uh, demanding their job was um, actually improved, so got less. Um, and they also um, found that um, they developed those mindfulness skills that we were talking about. So lots of positive outcomes just from six weeks. So I haven't mentioned that already. Six weeks of using a meditation app. Um, and the biggest change in scores was seen in those mindfulness skills and the perceived stress. So we wanted perceived stress to scores to go down. Mm -hmm. We wanted those mindfulness skills to improve. Um, and they did. And actually, the, the mean changes were, were quite large uh, and likely to be something that you would experience, you, you know, not something that just shows up in a questionnaire. You know, psychologists are often picking out you know, very small mean changes. <laughs> <laughs> these, were, these were quite good. Um, and so when you're talking about a perceived stress change, I would hazard a guess that on average, these participants did feel a real change in their body, in their emotional well-being uh, in these areas. So that, that raises all kinds of questions. But first of all, you must have been delighted to get such clear results when you, you, you looked at it, regardless of the um, direction of travel. There's mm. quite a bit of clarity there. 
Yes, absolutely. And and that was quite, quite um, interesting. And, and yeah, as you say, really heartening for, you know, real world research where we've tried to control as much as we could, but it's still happening, not in a lab, but in a live organisation. Uh, so you don't have, you can't control all the factors, but to have real clarity of results. Um, you know, and some of the other ones weren't as large uh, a change, but they were still st statistically significantly uh, improved over time. That goes for the mental well-being and the job performance. So the job performance was a very small mean score change. Um, but some people may have felt that their job performance had improved. Um, and again, that job demands um, so that the employee feeling that they have a reasonable demands or asks of them in their day to day work. And it did improve over time. Um, and so they they might feel that their deadlines are slightly more achievable now or that they don't have to neglect some tasks um, because they have to prioritise and they could perhaps do all of the things that are being asked of them. So kind of real, real changes to every, someone's working experience every day. It's, it's super interesting, uh, apart from anything else, that the skills people are acquiring here are skills around how you deal with your inner experiences. Mm. Uh, not um, like workload prioritization or productivity skills or relationship skills, but actually starting with paying attention to the present moment and navigating internal turmoil and things and, and being able to separate yourself from that and, and not have it take over, which is really interesting because, you know, on the one hand, you could say, well, here we go, give everyone, you know, uh, meditation training. Um, and that should, that should be fine, no matter what the workplace is like. And I think, you know, we both know that wouldn't work. But mm -hmm. secondly, imagine what this would be like on top of some of those other things that could benefit people in, in demanding roles. They were just doing this, this plus something else could get a really positive result. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got to have that wider organisational support, um, culture um, and other things that uh, we know are beneficial to managing stress in the workplace. But this could be a, a useful addition on top of that. And with anything, when we look at uh, the broad topic of well-being in the workplace, and of course, your, your research touched on job performance as well. But when we look at well-being, it's it's really worth underlying that interventions are, are great, but the interventions that people might be interested in introducing are not instead of fundamentally good work, like good job design and having a um, an appropriate culture and climate. So, you know, I, I don't think either of us are, are suggesting that mindfulness is a panacea for all mm -hmm. organizations' problems. No, I'd absolutely agree with you. And the um, the scale of um, the job demands measure that we, we used was from the health and safety executives um, stress management standards, which points to a whole load of other things that all good organisations should do to manage stress and well-being in the workplace. Yeah. And, and you know, the, there are many things that organisations can do maybe before they get to the stage of saying, well, maybe we'll teach everyone mindfulness skills. There's many, many basics, sort of hygiene factors that we talk about in the workplace mm -hmm. that really could be addressed, should be addressed before yeah. getting to this. But at the same time, without wanting to be too much of a downer, at the same time, th this is really exciting because, as I say, the topic's very divisive. Um, from what I've seen, there's an awful lot of opinion, but here we've got some data, we've got some evidence in a, in a live organizational setting and a specific app 
And I suppose one of the takeaways is then, well, that app has been evaluated, not just a specific way of meditating, but a specific method that could be replicated using the app. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really useful for organisations where employees are spread out across the whole country. Perhaps they're doing more service oriented jobs or customer facing jobs or operational jobs where it would be really, really hard to come together for a workshop, for example, particularly, you know, a six to eight week programme. Uh, and that really is the lovely thing about an app and Headspace as an app in particular. You can take it into your own hands. You control the time that you want to uh, dedicate to it. To it, you control the the place and um, you know how frequently you do it. So the impact on the day to day is minimal. It's not about organizing classes. It's not about asking people to take their lunch break to go mm. and do something. That they're in control of that. On that note, were, were you able to track? the extent to which people engaged in uh, using Headspace? Did some people use it a lot more than others? Uh, so we were able to. We didn't delve too deeply into that. So our basic ask of people was five, ten-minute sessions a week. Not a huge amount. So to get some of these results from that, and there would have been people doing more, um, and there would have been people doing doing less. Um, but in, as I said, when we were tracking some of the, the usage, um, they they clocked up hundreds of hours of of um, meditation time. So you know, nearly nine hundred hours of meditation time. The the people in the intervention group over the six weeks, um, and they 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 liked it. They a sixty percent intended to continue to use Headspace after this trial, this kind of research period, and nearly um nearly 90 90% again would recommend it to other people that's really interesting because it's a self-directed tool mm -hmm. in, in the sense that you haven't got someone sitting you down and doing all of these things so actually as a standalone tool it sounds like it does a good job of explaining itself and guiding people through something that many of us can find quite challenging at least to begin with mm, um, which is to no notice what's going on in our own minds yeah yeah, definitely. So what, what is it that you wish you could have done? Because that's always the case with research, isn't it? <laughs> um, or, or what would you really like to do next based on these results? Hmm. So um, what would I wish we could have done? I wish we could have tracked people for longer. So we did do, um, uh, we had a six week research period. Um, which, as I say, we, we found we found uh, positive results and significant results just in that short time. But I think it would be really interesting to continue uh, the study or have continued the study for a longer period of time. Uh, and um, I know that a, a very similar um, project was done by the College of Policing, and they actually tracked people out for a lot longer uh, and found similar positive results. So that's that's quite encouraging that these things are long lasting. Um, it would be good to connect to hard data on um, sickness absence, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be uh, challenging to do organisationally, but also um, I think those sorts of measures sickness absence for example can be impacted by many many things um, but i think that would be an interesting extension to to the study
I, and when you mentioned the health and safety executives' uh, stress management standards, it, it, it struck me that examining some of those um, in another study might be interesting. You looked at work demands, but there's other potential stressors in that basket like change and relationships and so on. be interesting to see how they are impacted uh, by, by meditation. Absolutely, yeah. And just to pick up on the on the job demands uh, aspect, we we were also interested in whether um, that practicing meditation uh, moderated the relationship between job demands and um, negative well being outcomes. So we know that job demands can cause people to feel unwell, will have um, a negative impact on your stress and your well-being. Can you put meditation in the middle of that as a buffer? That's what we were interested in, in that moderation analysis. So unfortunately, we didn't find um, uh, any effect of that that moderation, that buffering impact. Um, so I say unfortunately, because that would be really wonderful to find something as simple as a meditation mm. app. Um, had that impact but it's such a strong relationship between work demands and those well-being poor well-being outcomes that you need a a, a stronger lever Uh, and that goes back to what you were talking about earlier Richard you know that wider culture that wider job design uh, piece and organizational design Uh, so this isn't a panacea so it was interesting to do some slightly more sophisticated analyses uh, on on this on these data yeah, it, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, work demands are, are subjective um, as well. So, you know, I, I might think I can cope, I might think I can't cope, um, and the person next to me might have, have quite a different view. There is that long established relationship between demands and, and well-being outcomes. It's a very noisy relationship, though, mm-hmm. isn't it? There's a lot going on there. So it's not that surprising that something uh, like meditation could, could moderate that. But, uh, you know, it was it was definitely worth a look, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, and then on a similar kind of um, uh, vein of thinking, we, we did a mediation analysis to see if uh, meditation skills, um, as practiced through using Headspace, um, was the key to uh, the, the positive relationship um, between Headspace and um, and uh, stress and well-being. So was there a mediating relationship? Uh, and there was partial mediation. So those those um, meditation skills and mindfulness skills, there's, there's something going on there in explaining what Headspace is doing, but it's not the whole story. Mm. So that meditation-well-being relationship um, can be partly explained by the mindfulness skills that people had developed but only partly. Uh, so it was really interesting to think, well, what else is explaining that relationship? Is it perhaps something around the support that the organisation is showing in them? We've invested in this app uh, and we're offering people support. Is it about the opening up of the conversation around um, mental health um, and uh, how, how we might uh, improve our own well-being in the in the workplace? So lots more questions yeah. uh, opened up, but uh, you know, that's that's good psychology research. You just want to know more and you want to investigate more. That that's the thing because that, the way you've explained that just now has got me thinking that it could be anything, including you know self-efficacy, um, because I'm I'm learning new skills and I'm seeing I'm able to do these things. It it could be um, 
I'm in touch with my values because I'm mm -hmm. doing something that's good for me. And yeah. actually, I feel better about life in general because I'm living that kind of life. It could be pauses <laughs> and breaks um, from work. It could be being able to put things in context. I mean, there's lots of lots of sensible things that could be, but it's all going in the right direction, isn't it? It's a it's a positive relationship, um, but it needs further explanation. Absolutely. And I also wondered if it's something about sort of that group, um, you know, being in it together, you know, you know, hundreds of people were using this app at the same time in our organisation. Um, we had um, uh, internal communications about it. And so that's what I mean about, you know, live research, you know, you can't control everything. So people were talking to each other, perhaps um, we were um, sharing good news stories about it. Um, but maybe that sense of camaraderie being in it together really mm. trying something new as well community mm. yeah yeah um it's it's super interesting and um might prompt some of our listeners to have a look at you know what what they might do in this space uh headspace is, is a great app it's one of a few that are out there offering the same kind of thing um i should point out you know we're not sponsored so if anyone's interested in starting a journey like this for themselves my consistent answer to that question is normally we'll we'll take a moment to just focus on your breathing you don't need an app to do that but again some people will always feel better about it if they have someone guiding them in and guiding them out of a, of a meditation experience. Yeah, absolutely. And similarly, yeah, we, we weren't sponsored in any way. We were going to um, use the use the app. And as I said, it came across my desk and I thought, oh, this is too good an opportunity to pass up. Let's do some good research on it. Yeah, it's very rare to get those opportunities. So, mm -hmm. so well seized. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, thank you uh, so much for your, your time today. I'm going to link back to a, um, a, um, a summary um, of, of your research in the, in the show notes and people will be able to find out a little bit more. Um, and uh, as, as before, I'll share a link to your, your online profile. Uh, and if people have questions, I'm, I'm sure you'd be happy to, to answer them. Um, we'll do our best on the podcast as well. Uh, you can message us on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or send us a message via the website which is at worklifepsych.com slash contact. Um, but for now, Antonia, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, there we are. Another episode finished. Thank you for joining us once again. And please, if you have questions or comments about anything we've discussed this time around, get in touch. We'd love to hear from our listeners. You can send us a message on uh, Twitter at MyPocketPsych or send us a longer message via the contact form on the website. And that's at worklifepsych.com slash contact. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.